The Super Speedway Podcast is a Dream Bigger Media production. For news, photos, show notes, and information about advertising on the podcast, visit www.thesuperspeedway.com. Welcome to the Super Speedway. Uh, welcome to episode 72 of the Super Speedway Podcast, and this is a special bonus episode today. I'm in Michigan International Speedway with uh, none other than the Orange Cone. How's it going, Cone? <laughs> How's it going with you? <laughs> good. We just got to witness a heck of a truck race here. Uh, real good. I, what was more entertaining, the truck race or my my trip through the infield afterwards? The trip through the infield was pretty good, yeah, too. How about that guy in the bikini top? <laughs> that was pretty, spe- was pretty spectacular. That was nice. If you don't follow the Orange Cone, which I'm sure everybody does, I mean, why, why, well, they why shouldn't. You? <laughs> uh, you did kind of call out all the Twitter users to begin with. So. Well, no one knows who I am. <laughs> but he did a tour through the infield here at MIS, which was pretty entertaining. Uh, the guy in the bikini top, the coconut bikini top, actually told me that he put it on sober this morning. <laughs> and then the other guy, I forget what was it, MIS infield or something like that, told me uh, that he allegedly fell out of his camper last <laughs> night. Okay, how did, allegedly, how, how does that happen? That was about the best view I've ever seen at the infield. I've I've been going here for 10 years. Um, got to go down a little bit yesterday in the infield, but didn't get to witness the... Uh, the after race excitement. Yeah, I, I should go through again. But yeah, speaking of the race, that was a, a lot of fun. Great race. Last lap pass for the win. Uh, Brett Moffitt won here in 2016 with a last lap pass. Yep. He won here in 2018 with a last lap pass. Uh, just a great, great race. I know the fans here were pretty stoked about it. Uh, I had a, a great view of it. And, you know, up in the PA booth, uh, we were watching him on that going into turn one and he backed up the corner and I looked at my partner up there and I said you know he's getting a run he's gonna do it and he got halfway down the back stretch and I told him I said I think he's too far back right and all of a sudden it like the afterburners kicked in and he pulled up alongside of him in a three and that's all he needed he's got a history of doing it got a great run off of turn four and nipped him by what 25 thousandths of a second (laughs) amazing kind of feel like the truck series is one of the better i mean i would say almost every weekend they're one of the better series but we definitely a, great here at michigan we have a great racetrack here for it just the way the draft works and the way these trucks are built aerodynamically it's the perfect truck uh, the perfect track for the trucks uh you know the, the races at daytona and talladega certainly are spectacular but you know this is the perfect blending of of horsepower handling and aerodynamics yep. and it's just a great show here yeah you can't claim that the talent doesn't play a major factor here too yeah. where you can say that maybe you can say that for the restrictor plate tracks yeah, but had, have to drive them here yeah definitely um you I, I got a chance to listen to you on the uh the lap traffic podcast oh, I'm yesterday. so sorry to hear that <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? my goodness um all right so i used to call petm the shittiest podcast <laughs> on uh, a NASCAR <laughs> podcast on the internet. I think lap traffic has taken over that rain. There you go. Yeah, Brandon, he needs to get it together. Well, maybe we'll be in that <laughs> in that range too. <laughs> oh, you're doing a great job. Yeah, um, you great. talked about uh, you talked about MIS a lot there. You've got quite a history here. Um, this is my home track. I've been coming here for you know since 1989 with my first race. Um, let's see, 1989. <laughs> that would have been. Let's see. I think Rusty Wallace won one of those. It was the August or the June race for me. June, so June of race. 1989. I can tell you who was on the pole, and I can tell you who won. Let's see. I'm going to try to remember this because I was not here for that one, but I'm going to try to remember. I know Rusty won here in June of 1988 because that was the the week after Bobby Allison got hurt. You know what? I'm drawing a blank on 89. Who do you who do you have? Ken Schrader started on the pole in the Folgers Chevrolet Illumina, yep. and uh, Awesome Bill got the awesome win. Bill. One, I believe his. 
That was his sixth win in eight races. That's here. beyond me. I'm not sure yeah. on that one, but sixth win, sixth win in eight races. That's correct. I've uh, I've rewatched that race a million times, and you know you don't have to doubt it. I'm telling you, it happened. <laughs> there you go, there you go. So this is the 50th anniversary at MIS this year. Um, tell me a little bit, like, what does this track mean to you? You've been here for. So I've been coming here since 1977, uh, as I said, on lap traffic. Um, you know, my dad, uh, growing up, worked at Champion Spark Plug. Champion sponsored the August race here, and we'd get us tickets. Uh, we would sit over in the wooden grandstands over uh, on the other side of pit entrance. And uh, that's where we would watch from. And, uh, you know, my, my uncle owned a racing team back in, in the 70s and 80s, a very successful racing team, and actually won a race here. Uh, that we were at back in 1982 and on my personal twitter page i've got some pictures of me hanging out down in victory lane really cool awesome. uh, with bobby allison back in 1982 and uh, you know it's just it's really cool to now you know realize you know here we are what 36 years later and i'm on the other side never right. in a million years ever thought uh that i would ever be the announcer here it wasn't anything that i i ever angled for or anything that i ever uh thought would happen but you know, back in 2012, uh, Sammy, who used to be the the, the PR uh, rep here, uh, was looking for an announcer, and mm -hmm. she she didn't know anybody. She called me. She said, "Would you be interested?" And I said, "I think I would." <laughs> and uh, you know, I've been here since 2012. Uh, this is my my sixth full season, and it's it's just been uh, a tremendous privilege to be here and, and to talk to you know tens of thousands of people who share the same passion for the sport that I do. Uh, to hear them, you know, when I say, Hey, let's get up and make some noise. They get up and make some noise. It's, right. it's, it's a real rush for me. And, uh, to know they're all here to watch the, you know, the same thing that I, I have a true love for it's, it's, it really is an honor and it's a privilege. And, uh, I work with some really great people, uh, up in the booth, Dean Strom, uh, and, and Jim Trado, Jim, uh, I don't know how many people watch, uh, Arca races on television. Jim does each and every one of those. He's at many, most of these, uh, NASCAR races, whether he's doing PA or ISM vision, uh, Jim is just a fantastic guy to work with. And Dean is as well. Uh, they make me sound good, which <laughs> yeah, I'm rambling on here. So you can, you can tell that's a lot of work, but yeah, no, this is a very special place for me. I've been coming here since I was uh, five years old uh, and, and to, to be able to come back here, uh, a place that I've, I've spent many, many weekends as a fan uh, and to be in, to come in and work here is just fantastic. Right. You talked about the the passionate fans, and that's one thing I wanted to touch on. Um, I'm in the same boat. Uh, you know, I've been a very passionate fan of the sport for a long time. There's been so much negativity lately, and people that just want to bring the sport down. Um, how do you deal with? I mean, you're on Twitter all the time. How do you deal with that? Okay, so. I have a little bit different perspective on this because I see it from kind of both sides of the fence. I still am a huge fan. I also see it from the inside. I I see it from the business perspective, and sometimes those two things do have uh, a clash. Right. You know what's what's good for race teams and what's good for the racetracks might not necessarily be what's good for for the race fans. But you know I think there is a way to to to, to get everybody on the same page. Uh, as far as the negativity, um, you know I don't think that there's ever a time where constructive criticism isn't welcome or warranted. Right. So if you see something that you don't like, okay, we'll come up with a constructive argument for why that should be changed. Don't just say, hey, this sucks. Right. You know, okay, you don't like stage racing? Tell me why you don't like stage racing. Tell me what you would do to fix it, to to give that same 
All right. So so what we had is we had debris cautions. Right. When there might not have really been debris. <laughs> we all hated that. Mm-hmm. So they changed it. And they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to give you a predetermined time in the first half of these races where we're going to put out the caution flag twice to give you two restarts. Well, we started with trying the caution Well, clock. that was in the trucks. That we did the caution <laughs> yeah. clock thing, and that didn't quite work out. But right. then we went into, you know, this, this and, and, you know, well, we hate those fake debris cautions, but we hate stage rule. Well, okay, so what do you want? Right. Okay, because then if we don't have, if we went 100 laps green to checkered today, we'd have been complaining that there was no action. There were yeah. no restarts. The, the trucks were too spread out. So, you know, what What do you want? Okay, so if you don't like it, tell me why you don't like it. Right. And tell me a better way to fix it. Don't just tell me that it sucks because anybody can do that. Right. All right. And I, I realize a lot of people will, you know, come to me and say, well, it's a Twitter account you have. You're just kind of an asshole on there. You say, <laughs> but, you know, that's not really what that is. You know, some of it, you know, it's kind of changed over the years where, yeah, when I first started, I did just come on and make a bunch of kind of smart ass comments just to kind of get under people's skin. And it kind of worked and it was kind of fun for a little while. But, you know, as this kind of evolved and, you know, more people kind of followed it, I kind of realized, well, I can't just kind of just say because everybody knows, you know, who runs that account. And, right. You know, I've made a very conscious effort to let everybody who works on the inside of the sport know, hey, right. this is me. You know, if, if you see something that's got you tagged in it, it's this is meant to be in good humor. Right. Um, you know, to, to realize it's me and I'm your friend and I'm not trying to be shitty. I'm just trying to be funny. Right. And, the, and I mean, the identity is hidden, but it's, it, it's hidden only it, it, for, for people correct. who don't know how to find Cor- Correct. <laughs> people who don't know how to use Google. Um, but yeah, I, 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 some there are times where I will get into an actual discussion with people on an actual topic. Uh, for instance, the Brian France situation. Right. It's really easy to just sit there and say, "Well, I hate Brian. I hate what Brian France has done for NASCAR. He's an idiot, and he deserves this." And I'm so well, I don't see it that way. Right. All right. So I will get into a a, a days long discussion, and I will sit there and defend my point all day, and I will let people know, hey, that actually you are this. This is the wrong way to think about this. And I do okay. see that. I see you challenging opinions. You, you don't let people sure. get away with just I mean, saying. Yeah. I mean, there are certain things that it's just not worth it right. anymore. I mean, I'm not going to go down the political road anymore. It just isn't worth it for me. Well, you'd be, um, but you'd be there you know, all day. if you want to, if you're going to tell me something about something that involves racing, and you're going to tell me. That you know Brian France is the worst thing to ever happen to NASCAR because he this thing happened earlier in the week. Okay, you know that's kind of a cheap shot, right? All right, if you want to talk about what the relevant things about what's going on in NASCAR, okay, that's to me that's fair game. All right, but but let's talk about it. Don't just sit there and say, hey, this is the worst thing ever. Let's have a discussion about it and say, well, these are the good things. So there are some good things, you know, television contracts and, you know, all of the, the improvements that are going on in, in racetracks. All, I mean, that's, that's undeniable that that's happened. Right. So so you don't like a couple of things and you want this guy to have this horrible, miserable life. I just don't I don't equate those two. So I'm going to stand up for that. Um, but if you could come up with some constructive criticism about Brian France or NASCAR or, you know, the Chevrolet Camaro or the new Ford Mustang or, or the Toyota Supra that's going to be coming out in, in the Xfinity series next year. You want to talk, I mean, anything you want to give me some constructive criticism. I'll, I'll have a debate with you about that. I just don't want you to come out and spout off and just say, well, that sucks. And that's okay. That doesn't do anything for me. Right. I have a hard time too, with the people that are hard on what, the you know what we have right now i personally think that as far as competitiveness it's excellent 
I I mean, I get that there's three guys running away with it this year, but I still think that it's much more interesting to have three guys running away with it than one guy running away with it. Um, I honestly think we're in a better era of the sport, minus the negativity that everybody spreads around. Well, it's just for me, I mean, I'm kind of a nostalgic guy. Right. I'm always going to go back to when I was a kid because, you know, like I said, my uncle had a race team and it was pretty successful, and I certainly had a lot of fun watching them win a lot of <laughs> races, and that was great. Uh, and then when, as I was, you know, growing up and a young man and started coming to the races by myself, uh, that was a really, that was a lot of fun for me personally. And I just, I have a very, a lot of very fond memories of those days. You know, today's racing, I mean, the race today was fantastic. And to come here on Sunday, tomorrow, and see 200 mile per hour action uh, here at Michigan, a two mile racetrack without, right. I mean, that's insane to me. Yeah. You know, I remember when they put the restrictor plates on, it was like, we're never going to see 200 miles an hour. But, and lo and behold, here we are yeah. at Michigan That's running crazy. 200 miles per hour. It's insane. Um, you know, I think what there are a lot of unreal, unrealistic expectations. You know, people will sit there and, and compare what we see today to a race that we had here in 1982. And they'll look at that race and say, well, there's only four cars on the lead lap. How boring is that? Well, go back and watch that race. And there will be some things have happened. Things happened in that race. You know, there's some somebody who was expected to run up front will have blown an engine right. or had some sort of mechanical problem or blew a tire and hit the wall or spun out and crashed. All of those things happened. Right. And and sometimes that's what's missing from today. So I yeah, we might have we might have like thirty eight cars on the lead lap. Lead lap the number of cars on the lead lap to me does not equate to a competitive race. True. What equates to a competitive race to me is did you have fun watching it? What happened? Tell me what happened. I ask that question on Twitter all the time on Monday mornings. Tell me what happened in the race yesterday. Because it's like, you know, 24 hours, you know, 18 to 24 hours after the race is over. Right. Tell me what happened. And if you can't tell me what happened yesterday, well, maybe it wasn't such a memorable show. Now, we'll for sure remember what happened today. Right. You know, that's a good race. To me, that's a good race. Didn't have to have you know, three and four wide all day long to have a good race. It was a fun race to watch. There was a lot of passing, a lot of drafting, great finish. A couple of guys got up into the outside wall. And, you know, I hate to say it, people busting their ass is, is kind of fun to watch. Yeah. You know, I, I hate it for the guys who have to fix them. I hate them for the guys in the trucks who, <laughs> who have to make take the ride to the medical center. But that's part of what this is all about is these guys are supposed to be on the uh, what's that line from from Days of Thunder on the outer edge of control? Right. That's what we want to see. We want to see them wrestling these things. And sometimes when you're on that fine line, you go across it and you bust your ass. And and sometimes uh, you're going to back it in the fence when you do that. And that's all part of it. You know, to come to a race to me, I, I, I hope it goes green to checkered 100 laps. But I want to see them dicing, passing back and forth. I want to see, you know, some pit strategy play out. And then I want to see a good finish. You know, and if that doesn't happen, if all you have is cars running single file for a hundred right. laps, that, you know, I mean, I could go out to the highway and watch that, right? <laughs> right. You know, we want to have fun while we're doing this. It's supposed to be fun. Well, and speaking of that, you know, when we were here in June, we saw the the Xfinity cars run what they're calling the Cup Series is the the All Star package. It kind of seemed like a foregone conclusion we were going to see something similar to that here this this weekend, and then NASCAR backed off on that. And now there's talk next about next year, maybe running it at a bunch of tracks, uh, maybe a little bit different with a tapered spacer instead of a restrictor plate. You're the nostalgic guy. What do you think about that? Um, I, I'm. I kind of wish that we would go the other way. I would take all the arrow off of them. Okay. As much of the arrow as you could. I'd get them up off the ground, get the skirts off of them, 
get the splitter off of it, get that valence up off the racetrack. I would get some daylight underneath those cars. <laughs> I would open the engines up wide open, unrestricted, let them go a thousand horsepower. And you know what? All those guys can carry all the speed in the world they want off into turn one, and we'll, right. we'll see who can we'll see who can drive off turn two. <laughs> there you go. That's to me. That's what this should be about. Yeah. So I get why they want to do it the other way. They would. They want them to get bunched up. They want to. They want to put on that same basic type of show that you see at Daytona and Talladega, which is really fun to watch. Can't deny that. But right. um, I would just. I would personally would prefer to go it the other way. I'm going to watch regardless. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm not going to stop watching, but um, that's just my my personal preference. I know that there are some drivers who share that opinion. Um, you know, to, to me, it, it, it's such a simple fix to me, and I don't know why we don't try it. <laughs> right. But I, I also do kind of understand why we haven't, because, you know, you don't necessarily want cars, you know, up off the ground because they spin out and you get air under them. Right. They might go for a ride. But again, it, you know, it, you don't want to... F- Go flipping down the backstretch of Talladega. Don't spin out down the backstretch. Maybe that'll help. We've also done a lot to try and keep cars on the ground, and they still get airborne. So uh, you're, here, here's a great way to to uh, my theory on this is you you want to keep cars on the race on the ground in a race. Uh, keep them parked in the garage. That's the only <laughs> way to guarantee it's going to happen. There you go. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about you. Cone. Um, oh no, my favorite subject. <laughs> there you go. So, how did this all? Uh, first of all, how long have you had this account, and how what, how did this all start? Uh, the Twitter account started in 2011, uh, but the Orange Cone itself dates back to 2005 at uh, the indoor midget races in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, yeah, we um, <clears throat> I was there watching uh, the indoor midget races with a friend, and we were kind of fake broadcasting the race to the people around us. And every time there was an incident, you know, we'd have to go down to the infield care center in this (laughs) tiny little one fifth mile or one eighth mile concrete racetrack. And the only thing in the infield was an orange cone. So we'd send it down to the cone. I'm like, you know, that got a little something there. So I put it on MySpace, and that's where it originated. (laughs) It was MySpace, And, you know, we, we had a good time with it for about a year and then it kind of fizzled out. Uh, And then, you know, around 2011, I had already been on Twitter for a year and a half or so, and I saw Carl Edwards run over the orange cone at IRP in the Bush race. I'm like, oh, I should do that. <laughs> and I did. And uh, within three or four weeks, it had had 1,000 followers. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. 1,000 <laughs> people are paying attention to what I have to say. It is insane. Right. And uh, it's it's been rolling ever since. You know, there was a time uh, at Daytona, in practice for the 2012 Daytona 500, Casey Kane spun out coming off a of turn four and smushed the cone. And he tweeted an apology to me. <laughs> and I had like 1,500 followers in the next hour. Nice. It was insane, <laughs> insane. Uh, Danica Patrick hit the cone at Charlotte one year. And there's pictures of it. She's dragging that cone down the front street, you know, down pit road. And I brought my daughter over to my laptop to just watch the timeline on Tweet Deck. And it was just, for two hours, just thousands of notifications. <laughs> I'm like that, this is pretty insane. And just you know to have uh, the the television people all kind of bought into it, and you know the radio people have done is done it as well. And uh, you know you're just sitting there. You know, I'm just some guy with right. internet access, sitting on his couch in Toledo, Ohio, <laughs> making 
shitty wise ass comments on from his you know watching tv right and here you know i'm watching this thing and they're talking about me on tv and it's just <laughs> it's like oh, i cannot believe this yeah it is just crazy but it's been so much fun i've met such so many wonderful people doing it um have, have just so many wonderful memories and so many uh, it, it actually in so many ways it has been life-changing for me it, right. it really has i mean i've i've met some people um, some, some people that have become very, very important to me. Um, I wouldn't, wouldn't know them if it wasn't for Twitter. I mean, it's, it literally has changed my life for the better. So, um, whether or not you, it's, it's a good Twitter account is up for debate. <laughs> um, I might side with the people who say it's not at this point, but, right. <laughs> um, you know, just to, to have made the relationships that I've made and, and there are a few of them that I know, um, ha- have impacted my life so far, um, above and beyond what I ever thought was even going to be possible. Uh, it's, it's just been a, it's been a very great thing for me personally. So the identity is kind of secret, but I know that um, there's people always guessing. So what's Stale the, Earnhardt Jr. What is, is that the most interesting one? You've uh, got? It was back in the day. I always <laughs> got this, you know, there would always be like the debate, you know, who is it? Is it who, who could it be? And you know, I would make certain comments during a race and they would be like, what's junior? Like, <laughs> How can it be? Right. He is in this race car. How can he be? It's like green flag. How can he be doing this? Right. You know, Kyle Petty was another one that had been uh, tossed out there quite a bit. Um, Bob Dillner was rumored to be the orange cone for a little while. I know he and Stephen Wallace got into a little Twitter tiff about it one time. And I'm like, oh, Stephen, no, <laughs> it's not Bob. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it, 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 it that was back when very, very few people really knew who it was. And right. I, I had a lot of fun watching those uh, those discussions, but it's it's uh, it's not a really hard secret to figure out at this point. Right. Um, so, I mean, obviously, Twitter is a big part of and social media is a big part of your life. What tips would you have for somebody out there in social media to find success on it? Well, I, I use it for a much different reason. Okay. And I, and I gauge my six, you know, relative success, uh, probably a little differently than, than some other people would, you know, to me, it's, it's more of a, an engagement tool to right. me. I, I want to come and talk to people who share, uh, a, a common interest. Okay. I don't, you know, the follower count, you know, it, it's great. I mean, I, I am truly, truly humbled that tens of thousands of people have chosen to click that follow button and follow that account for whatever reason, whether it's they, they enjoy what I put up. They think I'm funny. They like the historical pictures that I share, or they just want to tell me I'm an asshole. That's (laughs) fine. I, I, I like the fact that they've taken the time to follow me, but the, the follower number to me for anybody that that is not how you should gauge your success on there. It's, it's, do you have quality interactions with people? And the way that you do that is by, interacting tag somebody if you want to have a discussion with dale earnhardt jr okay here's a couple of things that you have to understand (laughs) dale earnhardt jr has a life yeah he doesn't spend all day every day on twitter okay now he's got a cell phone right so he's going to check it from time to time but he's not going to be on it all day every day second of all he's got millions of people who follow him i can't even imagine his his notifications (laughs) is they're going to be off the charts yeah okay so the chances that he is going to see something that you say, it's going to be a challenge. Right. Okay. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. 
Uh, and, and same thing goes with me. I mean, I'm not putting myself in that category by any stretch of the imagination. But even with 85,000 followers, there are certain days where my timeline moves pretty quick. Race days, it goes pretty quick. Right. You know, if I get involved in a discussion about something, it goes pretty quick. And I've had a couple of people say, well, I've tweeted you before and you've never said anything back. And it's like, well, because you're tweeting at me when I'm talking about something and I'm, I've got 200 notifications in two minutes and it's, it's literally impossible for me to see something. That doesn't right. mean that you shouldn't keep doing it. Um, I, I, I wholeheartedly encourage you to keep doing it. Right. But, um, you know, but that's how you have to, that's how you, that's how I did it. I, I, I would, you know, if, if I wanted to, to say something to Casey Kane, I didn't just type Casey's name. I typed his at handle and maybe mm -hmm. he would respond back to it. And usually they would. And that's that's just how it builds. That's just how it builds. And um, that's how you have to do it. And again, don't don't think because you don't have 50,000 followers that, you know, your Twitter account's not a success because that's that's not the way to judge this thing. It's it's how much quality interactions do you have and and how much enjoyment you get out of it. That's that's how I would gauge my success. I'll second that, too, because when I started doing the NASCAR thing uh, beginning of last year, I created a brand new Twitter account from scratch and I still don't have a ton of followers. I'm not even at a hundred on my Twitter account, but just talking to people, tagging people and just, I that's mean, I follow it. the hashtag NASCAR on race day and just tweet to people and, and hop in and that's how you do it. Yep. That's yep. how you do it. And every now and then you catch lightning in a bottle and, <laughs> and someone will bite on one of your tweets and you'll get 20 or 30 followers at a time. That's how it works. There you go. It helps if someone like Jeff Gluck retweets you. or Yes, it does. Today, Jordan Anderson retweeted me. That helps out too. It does so. help. Jordan's a good guy. <laughs> there you go. So where do they find you on Twitter? At the Orange Cone. Are you on other social media as well? Or is that, uh, that's the there's one? a Facebook page, but I haven't probably haven't touched that in five or six years. Um, you know, I think I've locked down a, an Instagram handle somewhere along the way. I don't use that for anything. Uh, there's a Snapchat account that I, I don't do anything with either, just to kind of prevent anyone else from doing it. Twitter is where I, I'm, I'm on that all day, every day. So, right. um, but yeah, give me a follow at the Orange Cone. Um, be, just be nice. That's all I ask. All right. Please, good. please be nice to me. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I know you got some places to be, and you're busy, a busy guy this weekend here at MIS, so I appreciate you taking some time to talk I with us. I appreciate you having me, You're officially you so the much. second uh, official guest on the show. So. Rock on. How come I wasn't first? Well, it, I don't know. Who was the first guest? <laughs> President of the Speedway. So. All right. Rick's a good dude. I, <laughs> if you were going to tell me it was some TV guy or no, something, no, I was, was going to be really upset. But it no, Rick, Rick. Rick Brenner's a good guy to have on in front of me. He's done a wonderful job here. Uh, I know he had the unenviable position of following uh, a very popular guy in Roger Curtis. Uh, Roger's a fantastic guy. Rick is uh, just as solid. Yeah. And I'm, it's been an honor to work with him over the course of the past couple of years. And he's got a great team here. And uh, we look forward to a great race day tomorrow. Definitely. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for coming sir. in. All right. Well, thanks for the Orange Cone coming in and chatting with us here this afternoon uh, after the Truck Series race Saturday here at MIS. Uh, hopefully this will go up Saturday night. We are back here tomorrow for the uh, Consumers Energy 400 here at the Michigan International Speedway. Um, Aaron Bearden is supposed to join me after the race to do a post-race podcast as James is on vacation this week. So Aaron will be here. We'll do that. That'll hopefully be up uh, either Sunday night or Monday sometime. So uh, in the meantime, if you want to check us out, www.thesuperspeedway.com. You can find the podcast on there. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Uh, follow me on Twitter at 
T Super Speedway on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash the super speedway. And uh, thanks for joining us today for this interview. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, uh, visit patreon.com slash the super speedway. Again, thanks for Cone sitting down with us and chatting with us today. Uh, big race here at Michigan tomorrow. And uh, we hope you join us for the next podcast. Thanks for joining us.